Well, I wanted to take a moment before we did anything else to actually celebrate the most recent newlyweds who are part of the Eagle family. So last night in downtown Indy, James Roush got married to Emily Anya Bunham, now Emily Roush. So here's a picture of them. It was an awesome night. Yeah, we can give them a round of applause. I know that they are not... I know that they're not able to be here this morning, um, but we wanted to not only congratulate them, but if you've been a part of the Eagle family for any length of time, you would recognize the Anya Bunham family, Victor and Pam, so congratulations to them. Um, I did end up staying for the dinner last night, but I skipped out on the rest of the reception simply to prepare well for this morning. And I want all of you, Eagle Church, to receive that as a sign of my affection for you. <laughs> because if you know anything about me, I love a good dessert, and I love to dance. And I missed out on both of those last night, so please receive it as a sign of my love. I also, it's funny, I also wanted to just welcome everybody again. Um, if you're here in person, if you're watching online, and if you're here in person, that means you not only braved the weather, but you braved the very intense soccer parking lot attendance. I don't know what it was like when you pulled in, but when I pulled in this morning, it was intense. So I have to confess that it is very humbling to preach anything about prayer because it's a part of my life that I have not excelled at as a pastor or as a person. And lately, my prayer life has been very similar to Romans 8.26, where Paul writes that the Spirit helps us in our weakness, and when we don't know what to pray, that he intercedes on our behalf with groans and utterances that words cannot even express. Now that can sound really spiritual, and my ego would love nothing more than for you to think that, but it's not. Lately it has meant tears. Tearful prayers, both by myself and then with others. Last Sunday night I was praying with one of my best college buddies, and I sobbed over FaceTime. And then before that, I was praying with a friend here. And I think I cried for about 20 minutes, meaning I had to keep getting up to blow my nose because snot was dripping onto the carpet. And it's gross. It's a good way to spread COVID. <laughs> and I do want you to know, like, I'm, I'm okay, and I don't know exactly what's behind all of those tears, but I'm grateful for them because it's part of... Um, what God's been using to get me back into his presence. So if it's, it's been gratitude, it has been receiving his love in new ways, but it's also been conviction, which is a good thing, that's of the spirit, and also increasing desperation. So those tearful prayers have been a part of how God is getting me back into his presence. I did grow up in church, but people didn't verbalize much about the Lord's presence. Like, people did not talk that way. So I wanted to actually just make sure we knew, like, what does that mean? What does it look like? 
So we know that God is omnipresent. We know he's present everywhere. But at times, he chooses to like localize his presence, much like he did in the burning bush. And then now, because we are united with Christ, 1 Corinthians 1.30, we can have his presence, of course, with us all the time. We are also a temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6.19. So we can experience God's presence in many ways ways. It might be in prayer or in worship. It could be times of healing or times of renewal. It could also be something as simple and beautiful as supernatural peace and comfort. As amazing as God's presence is, I know that for some it can actually be kind of confusing and maybe even downright discouraging You might have heard someone say once, God's presence filled the room. And you're like, I felt nothing. But that's okay, because God's presence is more than a feeling. It is a promise. And it doesn't even always look like how we imagine it might. You might remember the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 19. And he's on the mountain with the Lord, And wind comes by. And then an earthquake comes by. And then fire comes by. And God is not in any of that. But then he hears the low whisper. And Elijah wraps his face in his cloak. And goes out to be in God's presence. Maybe you are here though this morning and you're like, well why does God's presence matter? And most simply, it matters because it is tied to who he is. It's his power. It changes us. And perhaps if this is going to be a little bit newer to you and you're still a little bit like, well, why why does it matter? I'd encourage you to consider if there is something that feels like it is missing in your life, like there's got to be more to this following Jesus thing, then maybe we're hungering for God's presence. We just don't quite recognize it yet. Prayer paves the way of experiencing his presence. And Eugene Peterson writes, prayers are tools, but not tools for doing or getting, but for being and becoming. So turn with me to Luke 10, 38 through 42. I apologize that I didn't choose a prayer text. And if that is disappointing to you, please do come back still next week. (laughs) It was just as simple as you read the word, you're convicted by that word, and so you start praying about it. So here's Luke 10, 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. 
Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Since there are a lot of Marys in scripture, I wanted to clarify exactly who is this. This is Mary, sister to Martha and Lazarus, the same Mary who anointed Jesus' feet with expensive perfume. But then the second clarifier is that Mary and Martha love Jesus. They are both disciples and they are both ministry leaders. But there are differences to how they approach him. When I heard this story as a kid, the takeaway was simple. Be like Mary, don't be like Martha. Right? But it gets so much more complicated as an adult when you realize, I am Martha. And it sounds real funny coming out of a grown man. <laughs> I am Martha. But I also have a sense that I am just one of many that are in this room right now. Marthas have good qualities. They serve. They get things done. They want to help people. And the world applauds Marthas. Christians applaud Marthas. But Jesus corrects Marthas. Because Marthas are distracted. They're anxious about many things and they miss out on the one necessary thing, his presence. So what have I been doing lately in prayer in light of all this? I've been confessing my distractions. Now confession as a whole needs to be a part of our prayer lives and when Eric pointed us as a staff and now a church to 2 Chronicles 7.14, it talks about how my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. That whole turning thing, that's repentance. And a part of that is our confessions, us acknowledging to him the times when we have sinned. So confession has to be a part of our prayer lives, but of late, it's been confessing distractions. I think Eric also mentioned last week, the times we get just distracted in prayer, and I have those times, it looks a little bit like this. My master made me this collar. He is a good and smart master, and he made me this collar so that I may talk. Squirrel! Oh man, that, that, that can be our prayer life sometime, can't it? But then it hit me that, okay, the distractions in prayer are one thing, but what about those distractions in life? It's the distractions in life that have been causing me issues because we get distracted by some good things. Martha was distracted by something good. It was serving we get distracted by the good, our families, our friends, the work that we're doing. There is so much that distracts us. But the issue with these distractions is not what we are distracted by, but the significance of who we are distracted from. It is not what we are distracted by, but it's the significance of who we're being distracted from. 
And let's just, let's just think about who Jesus is for a second. He is our Savior. He is the strongest person you've ever met, but also the most humble. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, but also can command angels. He can change your life like that. And he is perfect. He is forgiving. And he himself is praying for us. If we're not interested in getting into the presence of someone like that, we either don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is, or we're too distracted to even notice. I started to realize I had been distracted from the Lord's presence because it was getting harder to hear from Jesus. You know, to be sitting at his feet, listening to what he's saying. So this uh, fall, I'm helping with the fall musical at Zionsville High School. And y'all, I've been doing musical theater for a long time, and it's a whole new ball game in a pandemic. <laughs> Let me tell you, they will never perform this show live, and instead, they're going to record it, and then it will be available for download. <laughs> Welcome to 2020. <laughs> but during the auditions, I experienced something. When you're an accompanist, you have to be able to hear the singer. And normally it's not hard because they are right in front of you. And it's your job as the accompanist to make the auditioner look the best that they can look. It is their audition. But this year there were extra barriers to that. Now good, well-intended barriers, but they were there all the same because I'm wearing a mask the students are wearing masks, and then there's a wall of plexiglass between us. You can throw these pictures up. It's a little hard to see, but up there on the top, there's that wall of plexiglass around the piano. And then if you look at the bottom, there's a couple of students in those awkward cage-looking things. <laughs> this is what it is like. And it was the worst accompanying experience of my life <laughs> because the good things the well-intended things had become a barrier upon barrier upon barrier, and I couldn't hear a thing. So whether it's something that we're doing for God or whether it is something that we're just doing, if we're having trouble hearing from the Lord, then it's time to start getting into his presence and confessing our distractions. And he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Another thing I've been doing a lot of lately is praying then about what makes me anxious. Because in verse 40, it says, Martha went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Anxious and troubled about many things? Like this, he must be referring to something more than just she didn't help vacuum that day. The definition of anxiety is worry or uneasiness surrounding circumstances or uncertain outcomes. 
And at any point now past this year, we can just say <laughs> the year 2020. And I want to do a quick experiment with all of us, so you'll have to humor me. I really love interaction in sermons, and uh, I know sometimes people don't like that, and it can be a little threatening. So the goal is just non-threatening questions. You're going to raise your hand. You can raise your hand more than once, and I promise there are no surprises. And also, if you're watching at home, please do join in on this. So I want you to raise your hand first. If you experience anxiety at any point already today, All right, you can put your hands down. Raise your hand if you experienced anxiety at some point this week. Put your hands down. Raise your hand if you experienced anxiety at any point this last month. All right, keep your hands up. Everybody just look around for a second. <laughs> hands down. And last but not least, if you experienced anxiety at some point in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Look around, look at that. You might not have thought you related to Martha before, but you do now. <laughs> and this is encouraging that we're not in it alone, but look at what an anxious people we are. So when I think about this call to prayer, these 40 days, this is a win-win situation for us, all right? Because we can pray about our anxieties. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. So Lord, I'm going to talk to you about what I'm anxious about. Will you overcome my anxiety in Jesus' name? Will you fill me with my spirit and help me to live in a less anxious way? But not only that, but as we pray, we get back into his presence because then Philippians 4, 7 says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace is how you know that you have been in his presence. If it feels like we're talking a lot about praying for ourselves this morning, you are right. <laughs> And here's the thing, I don't want you to get me wrong. Our prayer lives should be a lot more than simply praying about ourselves. And I imagine that the Lord's gonna be calling us into some big anointed prayers, like prayers that are years in the making and years in the answering. But I have also worked with people, with students, long enough to know that we are not praying for ourselves well. Sometimes we don't even pray about ourselves at all. John Piper, most of you will recognize that name. He's one of my favorite um, living pastors and authors. And he said this, I pray about me a lot. I pray about me a lot. And if John Piper, who as far as I'm concerned is one step short of being holy as the Lord is holy, <laughs> is praying about himself a lot, then count me in. Because the Lord's doing a work in us. We read, and then we pray about what we read, and we go back, and we pray again. And the Lord is working on us. Sometimes I think we need help finding the words to pray for ourselves. And I came across this prayer by Henry Nouwen, Nowen is known for his ability to take a personal struggle and make it very relatable and accessible. 
So this gave me the words to express where I've been. Life passes by swiftly. Events that a few years ago kept me totally preoccupied have now become vague memories. Conflicts that a few months ago seemed so crucial in my life now seem futile and hardly worth the energy. Inner turmoil that robbed me of my sleep only a few weeks ago has now become a strange emotion of the past. Books that filled me with amazement a few days ago now do not seem as important. Thoughts that kept my mind captive only a few hours ago have now lost their power and have been replaced by others. Why am I continuously trapped in this sense of urgency and emergency? Why do I not see that you are eternal, that your kingdom lasts forever, and that for you a thousand years are like one day? Oh Lord, let me enter into your presence and there taste the eternal, timeless, everlasting love with which you invite me to let go of my time-bound anxieties fears, preoccupations, and worries. And Lord, teach me your ways and give me the courage to follow them. So yes, I've been praying about me a lot lately. Confessing my distractions, talking to him about my anxiety, and then choosing to be in his presence. Luke 10, 42 Jesus says, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Another translation says, Mary chose what is better. Because while Martha was distracted, Mary chose his presence. She chose to sit at his feet and to listen. She chose that one necessary thing that can't be taken away. And it can't be taken away because there is a trajectory to all of this. Because in your notes near the bottom, I put kind of like a tracing of God's presence throughout scripture. You can refer to it on your own time. But one of the things that you see is that God's presence fills heaven. So the reason it cannot be taken away from her is because the trajectory is that we are just moving more and more towards his presence with each day that passes by. So it cannot be taken away. But again, let's not be too hard on Martha because there's a lot of us in the room. Jesus spent plenty of time in homes, being served by people, and even serving himself. He clearly saw the people and the tasks as important. But like we say around here, What you do matters, but who you are becoming matters more. In order to choose what is better, everything else has to start to pale in comparison. We have to start carving out time to sit and to get back into his presence. And I'm so challenged by this year 2020 because who would have thought that we would have had an opportunity in the spring when the world halted And so many of the distractions that we're accustomed to either ended or perhaps shifted. But we at least have to ask ourselves, like, what did we do with that time? 
And now what are we doing? We're all excited to get back to normal, me along with everybody else. But are we gonna return to the way it had been before? Or are we gonna be able to get into his presence more and more? There's a guy named Alan Redpath who helped me when I realized like, okay, my heart is not aligned yet with what the Lord has. And Alan Redpath, he uh, was a well-known pastor and he was also British, which makes him cooler than all of us. But he said this, before you can pray your kingdom come, sometimes you have to pray my kingdom go. Sometimes before we start to pray, your kingdom come, we have to pray, my kingdom go. So yes, Jesus taught us how to pray in Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But when our hearts haven't been aligned quite, quite yet to that, we don't just sit in it, we pray about it. So I've been praying this prayer lately of like, my kingdom go, my kingdom go, and ugh, like it's, it's challenging. But then watch and see. See if his presence doesn't start aligning your heart with what Jesus did tell us to pray. We're slowly getting to push into all of this with our students. And at the beginning of the year, we had them self-identify like where are they at with Jesus and on the same note card we gave them some prayer prompts and you guys would be so encouraged by our students like they're amazing so real and so vulnerable like these prayers are powerful bold and some are a gut punch so as we've been praying over these cards I've been shifting now like what I've been praying and, and asking the Lord, like, help our students get back into your presence. Because our life group leaders, like, they're incredible, but they can't, they can't do these things for our students. Our staff team, like, we try to work hard and to be good stewards, but we cannot answer these prayers for our students. But we can get into the Lord's presence we can intercede on their behalf and then we can help show them the way, help them be getting into his presence. So I asked for permission to share just a few of these cards. By the end of the school year, I want God to be on my mind throughout the day and in my discussions. All right. So we're gonna be confessing some of our distractions and getting into his presence. I want to grow in my devotion to God. I want to be obsessed over him and what I can be doing to glorify him. I want to make more time for God. All right. So again, we're going to confess distractions and get into his presence. I want others to pray for my anxiety that gets in the way of sharing his name. Okay, so we're going to talk to the Lord about our anxieties, and we'll be getting back into his presence. I haven't had a good day in weeks. 
I'm trying to trust God and know that his plan is good, but it just feels impossible. I just need a breakthrough and hopefully some light in my darkness. So more anxiety to pray about. An approaching of his presence. And then lastly, I want to be in a place where self-hatred does not control my thoughts. Like you have to get into its presence about that one. So worship team, you guys can head back up. Um, a lot of you guys do know, I think I, I mentioned dancing earlier. So I grew up doing competitive dance. And a lot of people know that, and if you didn't, now you do. <laughs> Tap, jazz, musical theater, and then really white hip hop. <laughs> Like, real white. <laughs> and some ballet, yes. <laughs> and so, in, I think the summer after eighth grade, we went to New York City for Dance Nationals. And this was an awesome trip, because I felt like we saw all of it. Empire State Building, Statue of Liberty. We got to go to Ellis Island, Broadway, Central Park. I think my parents are watching from Chicago right now, so I want to just say thank you, Mom and Dad, for paying for all of that. <laughs> but it was, a, it was an awesome trip. But one of the highlights was something that happened at the toy store, FAO Schwartz. Now, do you remember that movie, Big? With, yeah, with Tom Hanks, and when he was dancing on that giant keyboard. So that's that toy store. And we're walking through it, and I see someone that I feel like looks familiar. And then I place it, and I'm like, that's Jennifer Garner. Now, I should have thought to put a picture up, but Jennifer Garner at that point, because this was 2003, and she was starring in the TV show Alias, which was huge. So I'm like, Mom, that's Jennifer Garner. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Jennifer Garner from Alias. And it went, like, when we realized that for sure it was her, I was like, I need to get a picture with her. But I was not about to ask myself. So my mom, in her brilliance, she decides like she's going to befriend the woman that is with her who actually ended up being her mom. So they're talking, and eventually my mom made the ask. And Jennifer, because we are on a first-name basis now, <laughs> Jennifer was like, sure. Like, we just, we basically had to go hide in the corner because she didn't want this to, like, become a thing in the middle of the toy store. But she's like, sure, we can get a picture. So I don't think I said anything else than thank you before running away with, like, exuberance. I got to talk to Jennifer Garner. I got a picture with Jennifer Garner. I was in the presence of Jennifer Garner. It's a fun story. And I remember how in eighth grade, how I treasured the memory of being in her presence. And maybe you're not, you know, so impressed by celebrity like I guess I was. But I think we all know what it's like to have someone's presence that we love to be in. Guys, if you are sitting next to your wife right now, I think you should take the time right now to lean over and tell her that you love to be in her presence. I will wait. I'm only trying to help. 
But no, we, we know what that's like. We all have those people in our lives who we just love to be in their presence, where it does not matter what you are doing with them, you just love to be in their presence. How much more awesome is it to be in the presence of Almighty God? How much more treasured? How much more valued, sacred, transformative to be in his presence? So we want you to like join us on this journey of 40 days of prayer. I think this is just day seven. And so you can set your alarms on your phone that at 714, morning and night, you're gonna be prompted to pray. You could join in on our Zoom prayer calls. It's noon, Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then it's 6 a.m. on Wednesdays. We're really excited for a worship night in this space this Wednesday at 7. And it's just going to be all about who the Lord is. You can watch the videos that Julia has been putting together, continue to teach us and show us and like help us. How do we pray? How do we fast? How do we repent? There's so much that we want to have you join in on this journey with us. But before I kind of pray us out and the worship team leads us in one more song, I want us to have a little, little space for personal eval. So go ahead and simply close your eyes, do whatever you need to do to simply quiet yourself. Let's take this moment to be in his presence, and to just talk with him. How have you been distracted from his presence? Just talk to him about it. been anxious lately and talk to him about it. How can you choose the better portion this week? The good portion. Perhaps listen for what the Lord's going to show you of how can you step into his presence. God, we confess that we are a distracted people and an anxious people. We get troubled by so many things. 
and then we miss out. We miss out on what it is to just be at your feet, to listen, and to be in his presence. And Lord, we thank you that as we step into that, that that is something that will not be taken away from us, that we have the spirit who is inside of us and dwells us, unites us with you, unites us with brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, thank you that as we step into your presence, that we can be changed, that, Lord, you invite us to be just as open with you as our, our students often are open in our prayers, that we can come to you in anything. Lord, teach us, show us, lead us. Help us to be a people of your presence and a prayerful people. Lord, thank you for the permission to pray about ourselves, but Lord, I also pray even now that it wouldn't end there, that Lord, as we walk out these 40 days, that each week, each Sunday, that you'd be building, that you'd be doing something greater than any, any person could assemble or piece together, but that it's just gonna be of you and Lord, out of the overflow of the things that you do in each of us, that it would just be prompting and spurring on the prayers that would then be aligned with your heart. So Lord, we love you and we're grateful to be in your presence now. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus, amen.